Welcome to Medium Cool, a movie podcast. I'm your host, Austin Glidden, and as always, you can find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Medium Cool Pod. It's facebook.com backslash Medium Cool Pod. You can search Medium Cool Pod on Instagram and we'll pop up and at Medium Cool Pod on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Austin Glidden, at Austin Glidden on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also uh, find me on Letterboxd if you have a Letterboxd account. If you don't, what are you doing? Why are you even listening to this if you don't have a Letterboxd account? It's an awesome uh, film site. You can keep track of all the movies you see. I'm not sponsored by them. I just freaking love this site so much. I keep all of my lists on there, um, everything. So really awesome place. Go check that out and find me, Austin Glidden. Uh, I'm on there. You can also find Joe Shearer, S-H-E-A-R-E-R, Joe Shearer. He's on the show today. And he's a part of the Indiana Film Journalists Association. All of you know Joe if you've listened to this before. If you haven't, what have you been doing? Uh, but Joe hasn't been on for a while because we've all just been really busy and our schedules have been really wild. Uh, but Joe's back on today. Very excited to have him uh, here. Uh, we're going to be discussing two 2021 movies. All right. And uh, he chose one and I chose one. And because it's going to be in the title of the show, I'm just going to tell you, even though it's very tempting to make it a secret. Um, But anyways, uh, he chose the movie, uh, both of which are on Netflix. He chose the movie Tick, Tick, Boom. And I chose the movie The Power of the Dog. Now, if you know Joe and I, I feel like these are actually really um, obvious titles for us. Like, (laughs) if I told you the two, you could guess who chose what. Um... But we have a really great conversation about it, and uh, hopefully you like it. If you do, because I didn't say this up front, more shameless self-promotion real quick. If you do like it, please uh, subscribe or follow wherever you are. That really helps us out. If you can rate and review, that's also helpful. Anything helps content creators, and since we are the content creators here, uh, we would really appreciate it. Do it with everyone that you like. Podcasts, YouTube, whatever. It's just helpful. Anyways, back to this. So I'm going to be talking with Joe about uh, those two movies, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, and The Power of the Dog. Again, both are on Netflix. Go check them out, and you can have your own opinions. Um, I do want to say something before I move on to Joe, and I'm not doing a legitimate review. Quite frankly, I haven't had time to write up enough notes for a full kind of solo review thing. But I was able, the first movie I've seen in theaters in quite a while, and I saw Ridley Scott's House of Gucci, and I largely went to the theater, because I could have gotten a screener, I'm sure, but my wife wanted to go to the theater to see it, she wanted to see it opening day, so we went, and there weren't really that many people in the theater, Um, but we were in this, we have a nice theater here, we actually went to the nice one, and we're sitting in these super comfy chairs, and I'm watching House of Gucci, And I love Ridley Scott. I don't like everything he's done, but I love Ridley Scott. He's one of those guys that I would trust to do better than most people, if not everyone. (laughs) And so he did The Last Duel, and he had uh, House of Gucci. Now, I'm assuming one of those got postponed because of the pandemic. That's why they both came out the same year. I have not seen The Last Duel yet. I'll probably cover it on the show. I'm very excited about it. Much more excited than House of Gucci. Uh, House of Gucci was a bizarre experience. Um, a lot of really, I'm not even saying that they're unrealistic because who am I? I don't speak Italian. Uh, but the accents were terrible. They felt terrible, at least. Not believable. Especially Jared Leto. Jared Leto has, he sounds like fucking Mario. Okay. He might as well just been like, where's the spicy meatball? You know, like he, it's, it's a caricature. And people like that, when it's only one person in a movie, and it's not just like a straight-up comedy, 
which this was not, though it does have plenty of comedy moments. I, I Those are the characters that ruin it for me because they usually stand out like a sore thumb and they kill whatever vibes going on. And a lot of people usually love them because just generally they're entertaining. But like, I usually hate them because they ruin everything that's being built. Jared Leto was my favorite part of this movie. And the fact that I'm saying that tells you something, okay? I did not hate this movie. I gave it a two and a half out of five. And uh, I like Adam Driver. Um, I, you know, I, I thought he did very well. Um, and I, the, the direction is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't think it was particularly uh, interesting. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Um, Lady Gaga did really well, also. Um, Al Pacino's awful. I mean, the performance is fine, but the Ital- the Italian accent and all that shit, it's the worst. This is one of those moments where if you're going to have non-Italian actors speak with Italian accents, you might as well just have them speak English, like just proper, straight English, okay? Because... Like a lot, like back in the day, that's just what people did. Like they'll tell you, like there'd be a t- subtitle, uh, Paris, France, nineteen forty nine, or whatever, right? And then it'd just have everyone speak in English, you know, <laughs> or like Lawrence of Arabia, like everyone speaks in English, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, that that sort of a thing. I'd prefer that in this movie, or just get Italian actors. Like, what in the fuck is this movie? Again, I don't hate it. I actually had a good time watching it with my wife. It's just nothing really exciting happens. I don't understand why this story is being told. Let me rephrase that. I do understand why, because there is a, um, like one of the subtitles is a legacy worth killing for. There is kind of like this, you know, uh, uh, what's what's the word? Like, um, Like suspense, there should be suspense to this story, right? It's kind of a, not a mystery, but it's kind of like, uh, you know, uh, the the rich guy dies and his son takes over and then, you know, he gets a taste of the power and he's usually so he starts off so modest and everything. and He doesn't want to be a part of it and he gets pulled in. It's almost like the Michael Corleone thing, right? And he gets pulled in and then he's just like he has to take more power, right? But just the way that this is done, it's just so lackluster. I just felt like the whole time it was kind of. Like, just, it's like a heartbeat. Like, it's like a heart monitor. You know, it never accelerates. It never flatlines. It's just kind of meh, meh, meh. Uh, So, anyways, I didn't think this was great at all. Um, I also didn't hate it. Like, I'd watch it again, I guess, but I would have no reason to, I don't think. Uh, again, competently made or comp- competent direction by Ridley Scott. I think the writing and the story is just like whatever. Again, this isn't a review. This is just me talking about some thoughts because <laughs> I don't want to uh, like we don't have time today, nor did I have time to really kind of concoct some full blown review for you guys. I'm just saying I would love to hear your thoughts on House of Gucci. If you loved it, hated it, somewhere in between. Let us know at uh, at our social media because I just don't understand why people would love this movie. I also don't understand why people would just like full. I guess I kind of more understand why people would full blown hate it. I'm not there, and I don't know a lot of people that full blown hate it. But I don't real. I don't think I know anyone except for like my wife that loves this movie. 
So, and and a big part that she loves is because Lady Gaga goes, um, the father, the son, house of Gucci, whenever she does like the uh, cross, like a Catholic cross, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, she says, father, son, house of Gucci, something like that. And um, my wife loves that. Uh, so I kind of by proxy love it because she loves it so much. The point is this, though. Um, like, I almost said a rare miss for Ridley Scott. And it's not even that. You know, he did, uh, he did like Prometheus, for example. A lot of people didn't like Prometheus. And I get it. Okay? I really do. But Prometheus had a lot of ideas. There was a lot of world building. Yes, it fell into certain cliches. Yes, some of the characters were so stupid they died because of it. For example, Charlize Theron running straight when you could run left or right to a to avoid something rolling over you. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, we'll just say that she was so scared she wasn't looking and she was just running as fast as she could. I'll buy it. I don't mind suspending my disbelief. Um, but uh, I actually liked Prometheus. I don't love it. I don't even own it. You know what I mean? But I would happily watch it again. I love the world that's in, that is in it. I love uh, all the weird alien shit that's happening. Um, actually, all the stuff from the Alien series is my least favorite parts of it. I love all like the giant, weird celestial dudes that are like the the cre- like the the ancestors of humans or whatever the fuck's going on. I mean, dude, there's so much cool shit in that movie. Is it the best sci-fi movie? Fuck no, it's not even his best sci-fi movie. He's done so many great ones. But Prometheus is, like, good. I even thought Alien Covenant was at least worth watching. Like, I didn't hate it, you know. Um, but, yeah, he just he just has the ability to often, not always, but to just often make stuff not suck, you know. <laughs> like, even if it's not good, at least it doesn't suck. Um, and House of Gucci is, like, a rare miss when you look at it, relatively speaking, with what I just said. Kind of a rare miss for me. Anyways, uh, so yeah, House of Gucci. I I'm I bring it up because I'm sincerely curious what y'all think about it. Um, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Again, Medium Cool Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Please hit us up. All right, let's go see what Joe's up to. I've rambled long enough. We're gonna talk about a little movie called Tick Tick Boom. All right, everybody, I'm here with Joe Shearer. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Oh, God, this is going to be a thing now. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk did. about uh, two 2021 movies. Uh-huh. You and I each picked one mm-hmm. uh, because we're both doing the cram right now. Yeah. Right. And so instead of talking about five movies, we decided to do a bit longer form on each of these. And we're going to mm-hmm. start with Joe's pick today. And, uh, Joe, you picked Tick, Tick, Boom. You were excited to talk about this. This is a film that came out this year, directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, written by Mm -hmm. Stephen Levinson, based on a musical by Jonathan Larson, which it's also a biopic about Larson. Uh, Cast is Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Ship, Robin DeJesus. I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but I love that name. (laughs) MJ Rodriguez, and a a lot of smaller roles. Um, by people uh-huh. like Bradley Whitford and Richard Kind or Kind, I don't remember how to say his name, but he's great. Yeah, I don't know which. Yeah, I don't know which one of those is his actual name. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I look this up every time and forget because he's yeah. great. But also mm-hmm. Joel Gray. Joel Gray mm-hmm. is a fantastic, uh, very famous musical performer. 
He was also in like Cabaret in 1972. He was in Dancer in the Dark in 2000. This dude's still alive, first off, and he's in this movie. I love this guy. It's awesome. Uh, This movie was released on Netflix November 19th of this year, just recently, uh, just a couple weeks ago. This is one of those Netflix originals. They have exclusive rights to it. So if you want to go check it out, you can check it out anytime as long as you have a Netflix subscription. Uh, In this biopic about the late American composer, lyricist, and playwright Jonathan Larson, we see John on the cusp of his 30th birthday as a promising young theater composer navigating love, friendship, and the pressures to create something great before time runs out. Larson in uh you know Larson is the mind behind the massively successful play Rent which was mm-hmm. uh, also adapted into a film in 2005 starring the original stage cast. He uh he liked to explore social issues like multiculturalism, addiction and homophobia in his work and uh in the early this was all in the early to mid 1990s too, which was a really mm-hmm. like a lot more taboo then than it would be now. Um yes. Tick, Tick, Boom was brought to life by, as I mentioned, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the mind behind so so many works recently, it seems, uh, but yeah. including In the Heights and Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. There's no question Miranda is a force to be reckoned with on the stage, both, quite frankly, on the stage and behind the scenes. Uh, but I personally have generally felt his excellence does not translate to the big screen, unfortunately. However, Joe... We yeah. are now able to talk about his newest work, Tick, Tick, Boom. So we'll see how mm-hmm. I feel about this. But I want to know, Joe, did you feel like this was a cinematic force or a lesser version of something fit for the stage? How'd you feel, Joe? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, well, I will, uh, you know, I'm going to say like this. I guess I'll just throw this out. Um, in a year that so far has been very underwhelming, this has been my favorite movie of the year. This is my number one of the year. That's, I mean, and I guess you can should consider that praise, not necessarily enormous praise. I still don't want to say, I still want to say, I, I couldn't say it's, it's a movie where I'm like, I'm going to run out and tell everybody to see this. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It's, I think I gave it four stars. Um, maybe I gave it four and a half, but I would, I would have been generous. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I really love Andrew Garfield in it. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's, a, I think it's a good time. I had a, I had a great time watching it. And I should also say, um, it's a musical. I'm not. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm not necessarily a huge fan of the genre, kind of as a whole. I don't necessarily know a lot about. I would, I could not have told you, for example, that Jonathan Larson wrote Rent before I saw this movie. I was aware of Rent and what it was, what it was about. I didn't, I don't think, I still don't think I've ever actually seen it. Um, uh, I just watched Hamilton, I, the movie version, the, you know, the Disney plus version, uh, I don't know, earlier this year. So, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the musicals, but I enjoyed this quite a bit. So, um, you know, uh, you know, take it like that. Yeah. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good time. Um, I, I don't know necessarily like, I mean, Hamilton, feels like a big like a big triumph kind of thing this is a little smaller in terms of like scale in terms of the attention it got but it's it's a solid movie certainly worth seeing i can't tell you it's going to stay my number one because i got a lot more movies to watch but that's what it is at the moment um 
not quite by default, but also not not by default <laughs> because it's, <laughs> most of what I've seen is just you know I mean Halloween Kills is still in my top ten at the at this moment. Dude, and, you know. <laughs> my my top ten embarrasses me because it's uh-huh. like this would never like it's made me just want to make certain ones more stars only yeah. because I want mm-hmm. it in the top ten. Yeah, but I have to keep reminding myself. I still have more movies to watch than I've seen this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like yeah, there are yeah. a ton. And we have Wes Anderson's French Dispatch. We have mm-hmm. Come On, Come On. We have Licorice Pizza. We have all these like great movies that are coming out and some that I have copies of right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I have to keep reminding myself that because, dude, it like I would never stand by my top 10 right now. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> like yeah, I would yeah, skip yeah. a top 10. I, we would do a top five episode. I would never yeah. do a top 10 right now because I can't stand by them. So I agree with right. you with the year. Uh, in, in terms of uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, I think we're probably going to get into a little bit of an argument here. Okay. Um, and I hope we do. So let's l- let it loose, <laughs> Joe. Let it loose. All right. Uh, I want it to be clear there are some positives to this film for me. So even if I start digging into it hard, understand that there will be things that I do want to praise it for. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll probably say that a little later. Uh, but unfortunately, I fall a bit more into the lesser version of something more fit for a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, this just didn't really work for me very much. And and I like musicals. And we're going to go back to that. You and I talked about that um, when we talked about... Um, Oh, God. Uh, uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, whenever we oh, yeah. watched that oh, movie. Yeah. We talked mm-hmm. about musicals. I want to I revisit that yeah. uh, in a few moments. But uh, I want to explain real quick some very important context first. I want to discuss a little bit about the differences between stage and screen. Because I feel like a lot of times when people see TV and they see um, live stuff like Hamilton and they yeah. see... Uh, stage theater and they see movies, they add them all up and ball them into the ball of entertainment. All of those are very different things, though. And um, the effects that one has, even watching Hamilton on TV versus being in the audience is going to make a huge difference in the experience one has. So uh, I want to touch on just a few things just really briefly because I actually do think this is important not only to why I feel the way I do, Um, Mm -hmm. but just in general, it's a fun conversation, I guess. So one thing is like just the way that actors act on stage, you know, facial expressions, body language. We have to remember that there's one location where the audience is and you're always playing to the audience, right? So, um, there is an unclosable distance between you and the audience. So you have to play to the front of the room and the back of the room simultaneously. And there is an art to these actors being able to do this. Whereas in film, you have editing, you have close-ups, you have long shots, you have camera movement giving us different perspectives. You have all of these things that can help us get into these intimate moments. And it's two completely different acting styles, right? And the thing is, whenever we get into this film, you have a lot of of people from the stage transitioning over to – the film, right? So that's yeah. one thing. Uh, another difference is preparation and performance. Like the way actors prepare for the stage and perform is very different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're doing an entire show at once, memorizing all of your lines, busting out like the choreography, all of this stuff in one night whenever you're on stage. You can live as this character consistently for the duration of the performance and build meaningful moments with other characters without being interrupted. That's key. Mm-hmm. Whereas in film, you block everything out. 
you have storyboards for everything. You plan every camera angle and shot. You know, it's uh, it's a completely different art to create something meaningful and real in those moments because you're constantly stopped to have to start that scene over unless you have some filmmaker that's just like John Cassavetes or something that's just letting you go. You know, generally, everything is very broken up. And in many cases, take Marvel movies, you're in fucking green screen hangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Where you can't see anything anyways. I mean, it's a very different thing. Now, I'm not saying that they're better than stage actors. Actually, I'd argue stage, act stage actors probably are more talented than movie actors. <laughs> but I digress. Um, but then audience participation. I have two. I have this and another one. Audience participation. There is an energy when you perform live. And it's not only felt by the people on stage and the people running the show, but it's also felt by the audience. And yes. so whenever you are in this moment, you know, there's something unexplainable happening in those at those times. And and there's this energy, this connection with the audience that the audience has with the people, and it allows for several things to happen. All right. The use of imagination. Whenever you're watching a stage play, you have a much larger imagination than we usually allot for movies because they build that imagination and we just experience it. But in yes. plays, a lot of times we are imagining these things because we know the people skipping down the street and whenever they go off the side of the stage in our imagination, they're continuing skipping down the street. Yes. But in reality, they just walked through a curtain and stopped. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, and, and I know that's a stupid example, but it's, it's one of those differences. We have a certain level of imagination, suspension of disbelief, yeah. the building of emotions, you know, mm -hmm. that culminate in just tears at the end. You know what I mean? Whereas watching on, on a film, maybe it wouldn't be. So there's so much going on on stage. In, the, in film, it's different. There's constant interruptions to move the camera and lighting and, you know, to make each actor, you know, uh, hit their spots correctly. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's just less organic in the moment. And, you know, even if it feels great on screen, it's made to look that way, right? Yes. So, yes. I, again, all of this is going to tie into what I want to talk about overall in this. The last thing is uh, a actors and writers medium, okay? Whenever we talk about different mediums, film, mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff like SNL and the Oscars, like live things and things mm -hmm. like that, you know, there's an old saying that says, they say that theater is an actor's medium, television is a writer's medium, and film is a director's medium. And I'll add to that, uh, consider, you know, live performances, like I said, SNL, Oscars and stuff, as a producer's medium, okay? Right, So, right. you know, as we see in Tick, Tick, Boom, we see the importance of the writer as well, mm -hmm. not just it yeah. being an actor's medium, but we see how important that writing is. We see that not just anyone can be a writer. It has to be mm -hmm. something exceptional and good. So, you know, film is a director's medium. I agree with this, though all of the aspects are important. Of course, the writing matters. Of course, the performances matter. Uh, you know, unless unless you're a Marvel movie where then it's a studio medium. <laughs> um, basically, you know, it is a director's medium. And this is actually a huge difference. I feel like a lot of people will see this as splitting hairs. This is very, very different. Actors and writers yeah. versus the way a director works, okay? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't care if one sees the cinematic version of Tick, Tick, Boom. You know, I don't care if somebody sees it as a version of a stage play or I'm not debating whether people should like it or not like it. I'm super happy that you loved it. Um, yes. I am, however, saying that as a film, this just, it didn't work for me and it mm -hmm. felt artificial. And I'll explain 
what I mean by that here. Sure. For example, the way musical sequences function in this don't work as a storytelling device in the way they mm. would understandably work on stage. So, for example, yeah. there are musical sequences. Um, they go back and forth between, like, multiple. It's almost like a montage during yeah. these scenes. But then mm -hmm. whenever it ends, they're back at the yeah. exact same place they start. Like, there was no transition or movement of time. Yes. So it literally, I'll tell you, and let me explain why this, I got hung up on this. It felt like it. the movie paused and I was watching a music video. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That Do you get sense. what I mean? And again, yeah, absolutely. if this didn't yeah. bother someone, that's fine. I'm just saying this stood out to me where it was like, it felt like the film stopped. There was mm -hmm. a music video and then the film continued. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it, that's just an example. Uh, but, yeah. you know, it, it just, it. I could see this really working as a theatrical thing. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, like the suspension of disbelief is not there the same way as it would be on stage. I would probably mm -hmm. really dig what they're doing here because there would yeah. also be this like super creative set design. And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there'd be this really cool yes. stuff that just is not as cool on film. Like you have to do something with it to make it better. Um, yes. yeah. And and I think, and, and, and we'll talk about... Uh, Ah, fuck it. I'll bring it up now. So uh, <laughs> Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda is clearly a stage guy. This is where he became most famous. Of course, he's done some work outside of it. And he just yeah. had uh, what's what's the one I mentioned earlier? The uh, in the in the heights. Uh, yes. He just had that film come out. I think it was also this year, maybe the end of last year. I can't yeah. remember. No, no, it was this year. And, no, it was this year. I mean, this dude's doing tons and tons of stuff, but this film felt like a thespian playing director to me. Yes, sure. And so, you know, it, it's not that it's intolerable by any means, not at all. Uh, the overall visual presentation does what it needs to do. So it looks like a movie, right? Like, yeah. it's not like it looks horrible. Like, it's nothing like right. that. Um, but it's the direction of actors, the blocking, the music, et cetera. Like, this felt like he was trying to take the stage and put it in film. But unfortunately, again, yeah. there are two different mediums, hence why I explained mm -hmm. the differences. That that direct translation does not work for me. Um, yes. And so I, I guess, like, I just want to jump into musicals again. You already said that you're not huge, hugely into them. But yeah. the first thing I said whenever my wife was going to bed last night, we watched the movie together, uh -huh. and she was a big fan. She loves like all musicals pretty much, <laughs> like she did, yeah. except for Dear Evan Hansen. That's awful. Uh -huh. But anyways, <laughs> right. but aside, we both thought that sucked. But anyways, so we watched this, and uh, whenever she's going to bed, she goes, "Have you rated this yet?" And I'm like, "No, not yet. I'm still kind of processing it." And she's like, "What are you gonna give it? A two? <laughs> and I'm like, that's one of the numbers in my mind, actually. I'm not sure where it's going to end up, though. It might go higher. I, yeah. I haven't processed it yet. Yeah. And, and she's like, oh, is it because you don't like musicals? And I go, oh, oh. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I can't believe you just said that to me. Like, <laughs> she's like, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm like, no, I'm not offended. I just, this is something I tell people I hate all the time. It's people that don't yeah. want to watch a Western because it's a Western. Or, right. you know, and it's like, no, yeah. I love musicals. I actually do. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, yeah. I haven't seen very many new ones, if any, that I like. Um, yeah. And I don't consider stuff like American, um, uh -huh. oh God, what's the uh, David Byrne, American. Fucking, yeah, 
whatever yeah, the movie's called. The American thing. You're the one who saw it and liked it. <laughs> Anyways, whatever that movie's called, I can't believe I can't yeah. remember right now. But Utopia, American Utopia, American um, Utopia like that. Utopia. I don't consider. I mean, it is a musical, but it's like a live. Per, it's a whole different thing. Talking about traditional right. musicals like this. Yeah, um, yeah. I just haven't seen one in a while, but I do love. I actually really like a good musical, and mm-hmm. and whenever you watch a lot of them, you start to pick out what like the musical sequences can do, not what they have <laughs> to do, but how they can yeah. really enhance the story and tying back in the tick tick boom. There's a point where he's talking to who is it? Stephen Sondheim, I think. Yes. Uh huh. And uh, played like actually I, for as little of a role as Bradley Whitford had as Sondheim, yeah. I actually really loved him. I like, was I really loved him. Yeah. Super great. Yeah. But Sondheim tells Larson in the movie, mm. uh, like you need you need uh one more like the biggest musical sequence in your movie has to be for this one character that you're writing right now. It needs mm-hmm. something in the middle for this transition, and and yeah. that was like such a great example of how my brain thinks about musicals like mm-hmm. m- the musical sequences much like a kung fu movie the martial arts and like choreography yeah. are the highlight yeah Absolutely. in a musical sequence your musical sequences need to have a strong purpose and they need mm-hmm. to be the weight of the film that's where you have the exposition that's where you have yeah. these moments of of wonder and and awe mm-hmm. and i just didn't get that uh, mm-hmm. And it, it bums me out because I went to this really wanting to like it. I was looking at Letterboxd. It doesn't have a bad rap mm-hmm. there. Like, people like yeah. the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, I, I was closer to the lower end of the uh, the spectrum there. And uh, yeah. we'll keep talking about it. I'm, like, way, like, bogarting this whole episode so far. <laughs> but, like, um, I, I want to share one thing. I'm going to pass it back to you. Sure. Uh, so Josh Larson, uh, coincidence on the name, Josh Larson is on, um, he does uh, um, film spotting, the podcast, which yes. is absolutely excellent. Everybody should check it out. Yeah, great. But he wrote, he wrote, he didn't like it. I just think this is funny. He goes, disliking Tick, Tick, Boom feels a bit like booing a group of middle school theater kids, but boo. <laughs> and he, he didn't, I mean, he might have disliked it more than me, but. Um, yeah. but I just love, like, you should just go to Letterboxd and read the comments because some of them are really funny, man. Um, but anyways, like, I, I want to hear some things. I have plenty to say, but I'm going to pass it off yeah. to you real quick. I, I want to know, yeah. like, start with what are some musicals that you're into to give us some context, maybe on some things that actually connect with you. And then yeah. maybe like, after you talk about that, tell me a little bit about what connected with you on this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I've, uh, I think I said this during the, when the, you know, you, you brought up the podcast. Yeah. I really love that movie. I really thought that was terrific. Um, but it was also in a way for me where I was like, because largely I'm, you know, I'm just not, I just, it's not, it's not that I dislike them. There are enough you know, and I, you know, and I, I want to be, I want to not be that guy too. That's like, Oh, musicals suck. You know, cause I'm not like that. I'm just like, Dude, I don't, just don't generally seek them out. You know, you watched a French musical with me. Yeah. <laughs> from like 1963 or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't put you in the category of people that don't watch. <laughs> you don't yeah, have to yeah. like something, but at least <laughs> right. you're open to watching it. Sure. So, yeah. Just to clarify, continue. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I, I used to be that person. And then there was a day when I was watching, you know, stuff just like the mainstream, more mainstream stuff that's been more, you know, La La Land. And, you know, the, you know, I, you know, I mentioned Hamilton that, you know, I, I don't go to a lot of plays, but it just seems like whenever there's one out and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to want, let's do this. And I'll watch it. I generally tend to like it. Um, I tend to enjoy it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, but I just don't have a ton of, you know, of exposure to them outside of, you know, your average Disney musical, you know, animated musical or, you know, what have you. Like, basically, I'm, I'm in, for the most part, looking at the bigger ones of, of you know, I'm not like going into it and it's like, oh, you know, here's a new one. I'm going to watch this musical because there it is. And I, you know, I don't watch old versions of stuff for the most part. You know, I'm not rushing out to watch Oklahoma or, you know, <laughs> singing in the rain or, you know, just like, just whatever, you know, obviously years, you know, in years past musicals were a much bigger thing. Um, it, you know, they, they were very big, you know, in Hollywood years and years ago, obviously not, not yeah. as much today. So that, you know, I think part of it is that. So, um, so that that's kind of just a, a very quick little background on my, you know, my exposure to musicals in general. Yeah. Um, so what what connected me, you know, connected with me on this, I think is probably, honestly, is probably my lack of familiarity with it. To be true, to be perfectly honest, and to be, you know, be truthful about it, um, I didn't know who Jonathan Larson was um, so much. Like I said, I I didn't. I would surely would not have been able to tell you he was the the you know the writer of Rent. Um, so, uh, so when I saw, you know, I, I was, I, it allowed me to kind of go on this journey with him just as a person without the baggage of looking at it as a larger, I guess, not criticizing it in a, a more artistic way, the way that you did, you know, for example, just now, you know, you were talking about how it, you were pulled out of the, you know, the musical numbers a lot of times by the way they did the editing and, you know, and pulling characters into different places. And so I didn't, I, I feel like I got to watch it without having to scrutinize it in that way, <laughs> which, you know, cause you said that and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess they did do that. That, that makes sense. But it didn't bother me in a lot of, a lot of instances. And just to clarify, uh, I didn't put that together while I was watching it. I had, because okay. I was covering it for the podcast, of course I'm processing it that way, process. but yeah, sure. go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just some of the, I, I just got to sit and kind of have fun with the characters and the, and you know the the narrative a little bit um you know i loved kind of the the neurotic nature uh, um that jonathan had uh and you know kind of the way andrew garfield brought that out um the way he's you know he the you know those lines oh sondheim by the way time he was 30 he already had published you know x number of you know major broadway plays or what you know whatever it was yeah and then he got to and then he meets him and it's like this thing and you know in the meantime he's got all his friends and he's struggling and I, I just, I kind of just, I let myself just have fun with it. Um, the, you know, the, the characters were pretentious in a way, you know, in a way that, that characters in musicals of this type can kind of be um, kind of self-important, I guess, in a way, but it, it felt a little more endearing than, than it could have. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of, it's like, you know, it, it felt like, I felt like, I was one of their buddies, you know, and, you know, and, and got to just live in their world for a while. And, and I thought that was fun. Um, 
and and I thought for the most part the the songs you know there now there aren't songs here where I'm like oh that's an all time great musical song you know I don't think any of those are going to be like that but I was just like I I watched it and it was over and I was like this is a good time I thought I just had fun um, I wasn't I didn't have to scrutinize it in a in a big way um, obviously the the subject matter of rent and the way it tied into this movie um, was was something that I had fun with because as I said, when, as I started watching, I didn't realize he was even the person who was behind rent. I didn't realize that, um, you know, that that's where he was going. And so when it happened, I was like, Oh, okay, well this makes sense. So, um, and, and there are some narrative developments too, as we're going along, you know, with, as he's struggling with to write his play and to write his act two, you know, musical number where it kind of plays with expectations a little bit. And um, in a way that, again, I was allowed to kind of go along with because of my inexperience with, with who he was um, and my lack of um, foreknowledge into what the movie was even about. So I just watched it and enjoyed it from that kind of blind perspective. And I was like, yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Now, if you're a huge fan of these kinds of things, you know, maybe you're going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, I'm not quite sure, but um that, that was kind of just my journey with, with this particular movie. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually went into this. I had never, I didn't know it was about, no, it's the only thing I know, I didn't even know him by name, but once I, once I, I read somewhere that it, about rent or something, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like now I, I put that together, Jonathan Larson. Cause yeah. when I was playing music back, whenever the movie rent came out in 2005 and six, yeah, my guitarist was obsessed mm-hmm. with rent. So yeah. I learned way more than I ever wanted to about rent. Um, you talked you talked about the the musical sequences, uh-huh. how you were like, I don't think any of them are probably like bangers, basically like things that are just right. like, going to be these like masters. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like w- one thing I like about Jonathan Larson is uh-huh. is his his uh, um lyrics. Yeah. I like how they're just like very kind of average, not not mm-hmm. average, but like, how do I say this? Uh, everyday like, like things. More, He's kind of talking about kind of yeah. everyday things all the time. You know, there's even yeah, a point where yeah, he writes it's a song mundane about, to an extent. Yeah, in, just, in a kind of a good way. Yeah, yeah, he writes a song about like sugar or something at one point. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous, but it just shows like how quick and how much time he put into this, and and I appreciate that. Um. The music is something I've always disliked about Jonathan Larson as a musician, even yeah. listening to Rent. Like, I like what they're doing. Of Dude, of course it takes talent to put all of these voices together to sing in harmony and to sing yeah. all of these different things at once. Dude, yes, musical theater is awesome. And mm-hmm. as a musician, I appreciate it. Jonathan cool. Larson wanted to bring in this like rock and roll aspect. And uh-huh. I think it sounds awful. <laughs> like the music. And, and I'm going to touch on something I liked real quick. Uh-huh. There's a point where uh, Andrew Garfield's Jonathan Larson gets really bad news about a friend at the yes. end. Okay. Uh-huh. At the ver- like yes, yes. the last 20 minutes of the film, probably. Yeah. Just, well, that's not a spoiler. It doesn't matter. The point is he gets some bad news. He gets bad news uh-huh. for the whole movie. So it doesn't matter. But. Uh, he 
kind of like mysteriously ends up in this park, basically, with this piano. Yeah. And he sings this impromptu sequence. Yeah. About this thing that he just learned about. Okay. Yes. And just him on a piano. Mm-hmm. That was the best musical sequence in the entire film, in my opinion. Yeah. Because yeah. one, Garfield was able to act during it. Because the other yeah. ones are like fucking music videos cutting all the time where he's acting yeah. like a goofball. You know what I mean? Right. And they're doing all these silly yeah. things. This one, he was able to act, mm-hmm. right? Because the yeah. camera's just kind of circling around. But then it's also cutting back in like old, like four by three, like old school cam, like camcorder quality mm-hmm. video, right? Yeah. Of, yeah. of he and this friend hanging out and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought like, him sitting in the park at a piano being able to act with all of these sequences that give much more meaning and weight to the lyrics being sung because the lyrics themselves wouldn't seem like anything. But when you see these lyrics juxtaposed with these visuals, this is what the whole fucking movie should have been, Joe. This is what the thing is. This is how you turn a musical into something cinematic. Uh, you yeah. know, you enhance these musical sequences in ways that you can because of the medium that you're building it in. And yeah. so uh, I just thought that was like a really fantastic plot point. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, that musical sequence was just uh, was very good. And it, 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 honestly, it made me more disappointed in mm-hmm. like, like the earlier yeah. parts because I was like, uh-huh. I actually feel something right now. Uh-huh. For the yeah. first time in the movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, um, uh-huh. Because there's a lot of like relationship stuff. And quite frankly, I didn't care. And right. I, it's like, I, I wish I did, though. Like, I wanted to so badly. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. And none of the yeah. musical sequences related to a lot of the issues he was going through made me yes. feel any more of those things. So I was just kind of like, okay, a lot of this feels kind of like surface or something. Like, I'm not getting there, right? Yeah. But the other, and I'll pass it off to you here in a second. The the other part of it, though, is there's a lot of sequences where Andrew Garfield playing Jonathan uh, Larson uh, is doing his Tick, Tick, Boom stand-up, like the one-man show thing that he did. Yes. I wish the film was fucking that. I wish the (laughs) film was him talking to an audience and then it cuts and does scenes giving context and more weight to these moments that he's talking about, Yeah, which yeah. I, I recognize that's what it's trying to do, but I do not think it does it well. So, yeah. so like, yeah. I wish the focus was on this show. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yes. Cause that would give it a bit more of a frame of reference and you could kind of follow this character through his emotions in a present one time rather than mm-hmm. feeling him in different points in his life. Um, I don't know. There was just, I don't feel, I think Garfield did very well. Um, I think there are two kinds of uh, good actors. Okay. Two mm-hmm. kinds of good actors. Okay. So yeah, in yeah, the yeah. context of good, there are two kinds. One is your kind of Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt types where every role they play for the most part, maybe with the exception of one, maybe two. Yeah. Um, it's clearly Leonardo DiCaprio, playing like his character and Django Unchained. Like that's Leonardo DiCaprio playing a slave owner, right? It's not like he disappears into the role. It's just, he's still very good at it. It's just 
Right. That's Leo. You know what I'm saying? That's Brandon. Yeah. It's not because they're popular. I can name other people less popular that just feel oh, yeah. like a an actor acting this thing. They just do it well. And then you, you have should. the other category of people, which is more closer to like a Joaquin Phoenix or a Daniel Day-Lewis, where these guys mm-hmm. fucking just disappear. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like they yes. are just, they go so far that it's wild. Now, of course, yeah. I am more partial to the latter because I love that level of commitment, but I like both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Garfield, ever since Social Network, I have I pinged him and was like, that dude is going to be a star because oh, yeah. even in his supporting role in, mm-hmm. in the Social Network, he stole the show for me. I thought he yeah. was awesome. And yeah. so, like, seeing him here, it's like, dude, you're just by default good. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think you're any better than normal, right? Yeah. But it's like, there are, like, this was on the performative side. Rather than mm-hmm. the disappear, I felt like this was Andrew yeah, Garfield yeah. playing Jonathan uh-huh. Larson. Tell me a little bit about some of the performances and stuff. Yeah. Did, did any of them stand yeah. out to you? Yeah, well, yeah, um, but I, I actually, I kind of want to, I kind of want to address some of the things you were saying because it's please, funny please. that it's funny that I, I agree with you on that that one number probably being the best in the movie, but also narratively, I want to criticize it. Because it felt very much like the way that it it crossed the, the film, the way it, it pops up in the film, it feels like it feels very self-centered to me. Of you know, course. It's like like you said, yeah, it, you have this, you have the, you know, like you said, you got he got this bad news about a friend, and then he triumphs from his friend's tragedy by writing this play to make him famous you know and i'm like this seems like a weird this is like one of those things to, it feels like to me if there's an equivalent to it um in a different sort of person it feels like when someone is like i don't know someone um someone wins an award at work you know, like in their job, they win an award and they get like a cash prize of something. And they're like, praise God for this because God made this happen because God told me or because, or because I believe in God and love God. That's why this happened to me. You know? And it's like, dude, you think God like cares that you did this thing at your job? Like when a football player like scores a touchdown, it's like, you think God like knocked the other guys down so you could score this touchdown? Like, it felt like the the theater, if you excuse the term, like theater nerd version of that, where it's like, sure, something really horrible happened to someone, but at least this other dude got to write a play out of it that made him famous. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that seems like insulting to his friend, and it seems like really self-centered to him. So it that was a moment that pulled me out momentarily, you know, uh, momentarily maybe, but yeah. pulled me out. It, it, in, uh, in the context of the movie, it also just yeah. kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like I, like I literally don't even know how he got to the place where he starts playing piano. I think that's fantasy. Right. Like I don't know. So I'm talking about it exclusively, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a weird sequence. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm so sad. I'm so sad, and now I'm gonna get famous from it. And and I'm kind of like I mean and and obviously that's not the intent that and that wasn't you know I I felt but I feel like 
that moment could have been handled better. It could have been a thing. Like there could have been a sequence with the friend and him and where they discuss it. And, you know, it's like, make something good come out of this, you know? And, but they don't, and, and they very easily, even, even with, without a scene like that, they still could have expressed the same sentiment and, and said like, this is an important thing to happen. And I'm going to write something that's important. That's going to shed light on this particular thing and then do it. And then, and then it feels like, okay, now it's a tribute to his friend. And now it's a tribute to other friends because some, you know, because there are other, like they reference at some point, similar things happening to other friends of his, right? Like there's this thing where he's like, you know, I've seen this a lot and yeah, but, uh, uh, it, but it's, and it's kind of in the background, which, which I think is kind of, again, coming from my perspective, it, it felt fun because I didn't, I still wasn't quite sure where it was going at that point, you know? And then I was like, Oh, okay, well here, this is why, obviously I'm aware of this. I'm obviously aware of the, you know, the, the, um, the parts of that, that are important, but also, um, also, I wasn't aware of that before, but now that I know this, I can look back. I look back on something. Like, okay, that all makes sense. Yeah. But um, I but, can't tell you, you how know, much joy it brings me to ruin movies for you. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> as I said, it, it's almost a default. It's a default number one. Um, but because just because most of what I, uh, the other stuff I've seen is not, you know, has not been has not really super impressed me quite yet. Yeah, um, a couple that I liked. Um, uh, including the one that we'll talk about next, but um, but anyway, um, this was just the one I've tend to I seem to have liked the most so far. Um, so yeah, so um, so your question then, um, your question then about the performances again. I liked Andrew Garfield. Um, I I was the same way with you know as you were. I saw the Social Network and I thought he was the best thing in that movie, and I liked that movie a lot. Um, he's somebody that every time I see he um he's he's impressed me for the most part um and i feel like this year he impressed me a lot he played um he had this and i liked him in this a lot and then he also played jim baker in the eyes of tammy faye which and great, i yeah. really liked him in that um i really enjoyed him in that um so i i was kind of hoping this is the year where things are going to really like he's i mean he, you know he's had an oscar nomination um uh several years back and it, I feel like, I don't know that it's, I don't want to say I don't know that it's helped him. It's not made him a giant star. You know, I, he's, he is somebody that I, I saw on the social network, even seeing him in the Spider-Man movies he was in. I just felt like, I was like, he feels like a good actor, like a really strong actor. He's going to be somebody who's going to hit something and like, just catch the right project and just be a big star. And he's kind of like an heir apparent almost to, you know, some of those, some of those DiCaprio's and Brad Pitt's. And I don't know if he would get that big, but he's somebody that'll be, um, uh, you know, on a higher level within, you know, six to 10 years. And um, I don't know that he's there yet, but he's every movie like this he makes. And, you know, I think he's getting closer. So um, let's see who else did I like, you know, who was fun. Um, Judith light was somebody who I had not seen for a while. Um, uh, she plays um, Jonathan's agent, and you know she's getting. <laughs> yeah, she's I mean, great. yeah, she's she's fun. Um, um, I you mentioned Bradley Whitford, and I loved him. I really loved him. Um, and you know, in a small and and also kind of making this um, a bigger thing. I you know I watched this movie, 
And then the next day was when the news hit that Stephen Sondheim passed away. So, I mean, you know, obviously that happened, you know, recently. And that was literally the night before I watched it or the night after I, the morning after I watched it, I found out that he passed away. Not that, you know, you know, not that I'm necessarily a huge Sondheim fan necessarily. I, you know, I'm aware of him, you know, him as a giant in the theater world, but um, you know, I've seen Sweeney Todd and I, you know, I've seen some of his stuff, but um you know, at the same time, I'm not like, oh my God, you know, like I, I recognize everyone was like, this guy is a giant. And I'm like, yes. And I was like, it was kind of cool that I, you know, was just watching that. And it really was, you know, this movie in a lot of ways now feel, felt like a tribute to him as well. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that that's another thing that I, I kind of liked about it. Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other people who, um, who stood out. Um, you mentioned Robin, De, Robin DeJesus, who was um, Michael, who was one of his friends i liked him a lot in it as well i thought he was he was very good um see but, you, but you this just was, said his name that sounded much better than me yeah well Robin yeah, de I mean, jesus i don't right, know what I, is yeah. i don't know what his background is so i didn't want to be like oh hey Seuss about it but what you just yeah. said sounds right yeah yeah it feels uh, let's see i i, I mean that's gotta be you Robin know, like nobody, yeah that yeah. sounds way better let's, i, let's I wanted to that. tell you how i wanted to tell you how white you were when you said that but i didn't uh, i intentionally like said it white as fuck I, because i, I didn't, didn't feel know like how it to was, say it i i felt like it was just would have been an obvious thing and everybody was like, just <laughs> spit it out joe i have something to say <laughs> all right yeah i mean that's about what i have to say i i enjoyed it um i thought it was fun you know that that's kind of like where i'm at with it it was fun yeah. i enjoyed it but i also don't really feel like defending it all that much <laughs> well, i'll say this i'm gonna defend it on one level okay from what i've read mm-hmm. this completely frenetic uh disheveled discursive movie <laughs> um <laughs> represents the great jonathan larson well um yeah. the way that his mind works the way that um he seemed to be as a human the way that his his uh his plays were uh, so who am I to judge when it comes to that? I can only talk about it at, on how I think it works as a film. But in terms of sure. whether it's good, like, hey, I know I'm also not Jonathan Larson's, like, yeah. direct audience. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, I love the content of his stuff, but I'm not usually a huge fan of his musical sequences and things like that, personally. It's just a, I think they're impressive. They're just not my thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, another movie that comes to mind like that is like Deadpool. I fucking uh-huh. hated that movie. But yeah. you know what? I've also read Deadpool comics, and I also hate them. And that movie yeah. is a very accurate representation of those comics. So it's yeah. like, yeah. again, is that a success? I would call it a success because mm-hmm. of that and recognize yeah. I'm not the audience. I still don't think it's a good movie. But if you're like right. that audience, like, cool, go for it. Um, this one, I don't hate. I mean, it was like a two out of five for me, but Uh I had a good time watching it with my wife. You know, we were able to Mm -hmm. just like sit there and like hang out and watch it. And, uh, I kept having hangups, but I didn't know why until I processed them later. Hence Mm -hmm. what I have delivered to you. And, and honestly, it's, it's not a bad gig. Again, Andrew Garfield, I think he's like way better as Jim Baker, but he is very good here. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I think his performance is mostly made up of the fact that he has the guts and conviction mm-hmm. to have such a bold performance. Like he's yes. not afraid to look stupid. 
He's not afraid yeah. to be ridiculous. Dude just goes all out. You see it in both of those performances we mentioned, Jim Baker yeah. and Jonathan Larson. He's a Absolutely. ridiculous person, and he does it with such like gusto and not like yes. super showy performative. Like those parts of it, I actually buy into. Like you're just a weird fucking guy. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. That that's my thought on Tick Tick Boom. Uh, if you if you listeners are able to see it, well, you are because most people have Netflix. I feel like maybe that's a bold mm-hmm. statement. But anyways. If you get a chance, watch it on Netflix and let us know what you think. If you agree or disagree, hit us up at Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, but let's be real, Instagram and Twitter are what I check the most. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And you can also email us at MediumCoolPod at gmail.com. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the choice that I had for today, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. We'll be right back. All right, The Power of the Dog came out this year, directed by Jane Campion, written by Jane Campion, based on the book by Thomas Savage. What a great name to have. Thomas Savage. My name is Tom Savage. I think that's just such a good one, especially whenever you're writing a fucking Western. Mm -hmm. So good. Uh, Cast, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, Cody Smith-McPhee, and even Keith Carradine makes a brief appearance in this movie. (laughs) Um, it was released December 1st, 2021 on Netflix. This is another exclusive Netflix. Definitely check this out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about a severe, pale-eyed, handsome Phil Burbank, played by Cumberbatch, is brutal, brutally beguiling. All of Phil's romance, power, and fragility uh, is trapped in the past and in the land. Uh, he can castrate a bull calf with two swift slashes of his knife, So that's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. And he also swims naked in the river, smearing his body with mud. Uh, You know, he's a cowboy. Uh, He's a cowboy raw as his hides, Joe. That's what I'm going (laughs) to. Anyways. That's Woody uh, right there, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And apparently uh, that goes a long way in 1925, which is when the film takes place. Uh, The Burbank brothers are wealthy ranchers in Montana. Phil Burbank inspires uh, fear and awe in those around him. Uh, He and his more elegant brother, fat boy, George Burbank. uh, That is what Phil calls his brother, George, which Cumberbatch and Plemons look nothing alike. And I kept the whole time. I thought they were just like spiritual brothers. You know what I mean? Like they've been doing it for so long. And then I realized they have the same last name. I'm like, oh, shit, they're real brothers. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyways, unless it's some strange coincidence, I'm going with real brothers. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, fat boy George Burbank uh, has been working together with Phil for over 20 years, ever since they were taught everything they know by the late mentor Bronco Henry, someone Phil was especially close to. When yeah. his uh, brother, George, uh, brings home a new wife, Rose, played by Kirsten Dunst, or Kirsten Dunst, I guess, uh, and her son, Pete, played by uh, Smith McPhee, uh, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. 
The film uh, is a really special film to me, Joe. It's tackling the ideas of toxic uh, hypermasculinity, homosexuality, uh, gender identity, addiction, revenge, love, so much without hardly muttering a direct word about any of those things. Yes. Uh, this is my kind of movie. The Power of the Dog is an example of how films show don't tell. You know, how, how, how film can provide an experience deeper than mere entertainment, but art that allows you to dig in and find the story yourself rather than it be forced upon you. Now, I know that this is a controversial statement. I'm not making the statement. I'm just making a point, uh, you know, hearkening back to our conversation, Joe, when we talked about the MCU, and I brought up the mm -hmm. infamous words of Martin Scorsese whenever he used the word cinema in a very specific yeah. way. When mm -hmm. I think of the distinction he meant to make, basically entertainment versus the art of, of film. Yes. When I think of cinema, to use the pretentious phrasing, I think of mm -hmm. films like The Power of the Dog. This, my friend, is cinema. I want to know, Joe, uh -huh. is this cinema to you? <laughs> uh, or is this something that you could you know, take your two hours and uh, never have seen. How do you feel about the power of the dog? <laughs> no. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is something, um, something good, something fun. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, the, and as we we're talking after our previous conversation here, I, you might be able to convince me to readjust my top 10. I put this at number three um, and, and I like it a lot. Um, I might like it more than, um, tick, tick, boom after this. Yeah, it, it is. You can it, see it me weaving a, my web, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> it has a, it has a great subtlety. It's, it's one of those movies again, it, you know, just like the previous movie, when I went in watching it, I knew almost nothing about it. Same. Um, they, you know, I, uh, I Netflix, uh, you know, you guys, most of you guys, I think, um, if you listen previously, you know that I'm a member of the Indiana film journalist association. Netflix has been hard selling us on a, lots of things. I have a sweatshirt for Tick, Tick, Boom. I have a, um, a flask for, um, what is that movie? The, uh, the other Western. Um, and I just saw it, and I'm sorry that I'm not mentioning it now. Uh, Idrissa Elba is the star. Idris yeah, Elba I can't remember what that. it's called. I'm going to look it up. The Harder Keep They going. Fall. Yeah. The Harder They Fall. Yeah. So I have a flask from that. I got a big package of things from this movie. Also a giant book that I will never look at as much as I like this movie. Anyway, I'm mostly bragging about that. I don't know why I'm even talking about it. Hey, yo, yo. Hey, whenever you, yeah. when you mail me things, will you just mail that book to me? <laughs> just that, book. that book's going to add a lot of, a lot of cost. To my I'll just drive down and get it from you. All right, go it's ahead. A, anyway. <laughs> It's, uh, I think it was, a book. I don't know. I get all kinds of, they've sent about five books and I'm, I just look at it. And I'm like, uh, what am I going to do with this? Um, but anyway, this movie does a lot of good things. Um, and it does a lot of good things. Well, um, again, I had no idea who anybody was, what was going on at all in this movie. And, and I, it felt like a, a giant treat, you know, watching it. Um, I, I love, uh, Cumberbatch is just this like cruel, just, bastard asshole kind of guy who no one likes and who, you know, he clearly revels in that. He clearly loves to bully people. And, you know, he's, he's just one of those people, one of those just bitter people. And then 
as the movie goes along, it just kind of, he just kind of opens up a little bit in a very subtle way. Um, you know, because much of the movie's conflict is between he and Rose. And of course he's, it's, it's that, it's that old story where, you know, you took my brother away from me. He was my best friend in the world. And now he's with you and you guys are doing things. And now he's not my best friend anymore. Um, you know, so it's, you know, it's that story, but at the same time, he's, he's a tremendous character, especially later on, you know, as he, he opens up and he starts talking about, um, what was his name? Bronco Henry. Yeah. Bronco. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, he, of course he, he's always constantly talking about him. And then later on he talks more about him and then he starts making connections with other characters. I don't know how much we want to get into that stuff. Um, but it, it's, uh, the way that, as you said, the way it, it weaves those themes in, and explores it, it sort of explores homosexuality without without being overt about it whatsoever. Yeah, this it's, is by no means Brokeback Mountain. Right. This is the yeah. opposite of that, to be honest. Yeah. While still dealing with that subject. Um, yeah. Because there's really no overtness about that. Like I, I mean, when, yeah, when yeah. I said there are few words expressed about any of the themes I mentioned, literally. Mm-hmm some of those themes may never have been talked about. <laughs> like it's yeah, just a part yeah, of the yeah. film. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there, there are just a couple of moments where you're just like, something's about to happen. Oh, they're about to do this. And then they just kind of don't, you know, and it, and it's just like, and it's, and you're like, that was kind of odd, but as a, as a choice, as the narrative choice, it's terrific. It's tremendous. Uh, the way that, it, you know, because they're, they're clearly talking about this thing. Um, you know, as you said, there's that kind of the toxic masculinity thing going on where Phil is clearly that kind of, is clearly that guy just toxic as hell. He torments Rose throughout the movie and loves every minute of it. And he, you know, he drive he literally drives her to drink. And then he, you know, like starts bad mouthing her because of that. Cause it's kind of like, he's just, he's just tearing her apart constantly. And, um, and, and Jesse Plemons, George, you know, is kind of stuck in the middle of that. Um, I, I just, I know how he feels, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I know I'm very familiar with the situation and I know how he feels about that. So um, it, it just, it connected with me on that level. And, and also being a Western kind of gave it a different sort of, you know, and setting it during this time, it set it an odd time for a Western too, 1925 in Montana. And, you know, most of them, you know, most of the time you watch a Western and it's like 1880s and we're in New Mexico or Texas or, you know, Oklahoma, whatever. This is definitely post like railroad. This is like the last remnants of the West. This is like a little bit later or at least during the entire span of like there will be blood era. You know what I mean? Like oil rigs are starting to hit like all of these things. Yeah. There there are cars in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, there's there's horse riding, but there's also cars. And it's and it's like this is it was just interesting to see a movie um, see at that level to see that kind of that juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, but then also, you know, it's, it's that clash of old and new almost. And, and that kind of, you know, has parallels with, you know, with, with that, the, the other subject matter as well. So yeah, it, it was, I, I really like this. I, re- I did. I really like this movie. Um, I, I love Benedict Cumberbatch. I love Jesse Plemons. I, I liked, I liked Kirsten Dunst um, and Cody Smith. Uh, Smith McPhee was was 
pretty tremendous. It was yeah. pretty great. Well, I'm going to break all these down. We'll we'll talk about yeah. these because I want to because we're going to talk about the score. We're going to talk about the cinematography. I have several things I just want to touch on. We don't have to talk Good. at super length. Yeah. But I want to start with, I am a huge fan of the storytelling that Campion uses here. This yeah. kind of storytelling where it's the show don't tell. It's not really telling you anything, to be honest. No. It's really just slices of life until mm-hmm. somehow after the fact you realize it was like a revenge movie. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you don't even know what's happening. You're like, what the fuck? Um, yeah. But I love that. Like I was always on my toes. And it's reminiscent of like There Will Be Blood or something I would even say it's more akin to is The Master, both of which Paul Thomas Anderson movies. If you've seen The Master, that's literally just Freddie Quell, Joaquin Phoenix's character, doing Mm -hmm. weird shit, drinking Mm -hmm. weird chemicals and getting in trouble and going to jail and all this. And, you know, it's just like all of these seemingly random scenes. But if you're actually watching what's going on, it's a love story between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix's character, that which yeah. has been confirmed. If you listen to the uh, WTF uh, with Mark Maron podcast, he had Paul Thomas Anderson on, and I was so you brag all the time. I'm going to brag. I I kept saying that it was a love story between those two, and people were like, "I don't know, man." And then Paul Thomas Anderson specifically confirmed that. All right, so I'm a smart critic. Anyways, like, Austin said that first, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but it was like, but like, but I love that type of storytelling. Same thing with There yeah, Will yeah. Be Blood. Like, it does seem like a bunch of kind of random scenes for the most part, but of course, you do see his evolution and progression. But it's almost like you don't know what the film's about till it's over, and it's like, yeah. oh fuck! Like we saw all of this. What does that mean? And I actually had a friend of mine, and if you're listening, uh, I love you, and I am so happy that you sent me this. Uh, sent me an Instagram message. And uh, he was like, we got to talk about the power of the dog. I'm like, okay, dude, I'm in. And he was like, I expected more. And I'm like, how so? And he started going like, I don't, I feel like if you're going to make a movie about something, it should be about something, you know, (laughs) you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I get where you're coming from, but I think the film's about this. And I kind of pinpointed everything we're going to talk about here. Uh-huh. And then he was like, okay, well, I d- uh, that makes sense. I get it. I get it. And he was on board. We were just having a good conversation. And yeah. and he's like, he's like, but I just feel like the film, like, put the ball in your court too much. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was, you. I don't think audiences should have to do that much work. Now, separated from the conversation I had, when people say that to me, usually I'm like, you're looking at this as entertainment exclusively and you're not entertained by this but when you look at film as the medium this this is the type of storytelling that goes back to silent era shit man like this is classic right so whenever i say that pretentious scorsese thing of this is cinema right it's almost less me making a statement about how much i like it but it's like no this is what movies are like this is what they've been for like over a century you know yeah so anyways, like, I love this type of storytelling, um, and I, I love whenever you are kind of just given this this feast to kind of pick through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I, I'm tempted to go further, but I want to stop and give you a chance. Yeah. When you were watching this, did you have a similar experience to me where you were like, okay, like, I'm, I'm picking up on all these things, and in retrospect, you're like, oh, shit. Okay, like, I'm seeing this. Yes. Or... Okay, so you were more on that side and less like my yeah. friend who messaged me. 
in yeah in at the at the end of the the film like you said there there's a thing that happens I, I don't know you could call it a twist i suppose um but there you know there's the the narrative goes off in a certain direction and and for a moment i was like what 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 are we like what are we seeing and then when you know there's there's a comment and then a kind of a reveal as to what exactly happened and in in my head i was like that makes perfect sense you know like i okay i get that and it's you know it it's i don't want to i guess i don't want to go too much into it other than to say yeah i thought it made perfect sense um but you know I, it's funny your friend was saying that uh, you know because i've i've always been i what i'm going to assume is he's making a comment on film's ability to kind of affect social change um and there's a couple of I've always had a couple of opinions on this. There are a couple different kinds of ways that film can can achieve that, can can achieve social change, or you know at least assist social change. Um, you know, and one of them is a movie like if we want to, you know, we've talked about Brokeback Mountain. If we want to compare it to that, Brokeback Mountain was was more overt. Than Something happened. I lost you. Hold on. Not not for much. We keep talking. I love that you're cracking yourself up right now. <laughs> what? I love that you're cracking yourself up right now. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. S start. Yeah. I don't even remember what you were saying now. Yeah. I'm yeah. So distracted. No. But right. Yeah. Before... I was talking. Yeah. So yeah. So if you know, if you you look at a movie like Brokeback Mountain, a western about you know about homosexuality, that movie was very clearly meant to you know kind of uh, if if you excuse the word normalize you know like gay men right so it, it's meant we're watching it and we're we're meant to look at this as a romance, but the fact that they were gay was the main thrust of the narrative, right? Like this is what it's about. They talk about being gay. They, you know, when, you know, there are love scenes between the two men and it, it's meant to be a romance between them. And we're meant to, it's clearly supposed to be like, this is a different kind of thing, but also, look how beautiful this movie is. You're supposed, you know, why don't we embrace that instead of being closed-minded assholes all the time? You know, like that. There's kind of, you know, there's that's certainly is part of that movie. This movie normalizes that in a different way, where it doesn't really talk about it, as as we've said. If you if you watch, there's not a bunch. I mean, there there's a little bit of kind of male blusteriness, you know, and you know like you know peacock feather you know peacocks showing their feathers and yeah. stuff kind of stuff but it's not there's not a oh those gays are you know this and them gays are that and i'm not one of them but i really am you know it's not like that it's just like there's this certain attitude kind of in general um it, you know phil is phil especially is this very he's very gruff and tough and he's you know he's loud and he uh he you know um intimidates people and then later on, you're like, oh, this kind of makes a little more sense. Yeah. On that note real quick, and I don't mean to cut you off yeah. if you have sure. more sure. to say, but um, what I love about a movie like this is it's really hard to ruin or to spoil yes. because uh, what you're seeing 
doesn't really affect any of what we're talking about. And, right. and you could watch it and have a different perspective. So it's Absolutely. like, um, so I am going to go out on a limb and just say, mm-hmm. just so we can be a bit freer. Yeah. Um, Rose's son, played by Smith McPhee, um, Pete, that's his name. Yeah. Uh, Pete is a very effeminate young man who has gone away mm-hmm. to university or high school, whatever the thing is, to school, whatever yeah. it is. Uh-huh. And when he comes and visits, he's terrified of Phil because yeah. Phil's always an asshole to him and mm-hmm. always tries to make him like buck up and he makes fun of him and it just hurts his feelings. Like he'll end up crying yeah. somewhere, you know what I mean, or whatever. Right. And he's very effeminate. There's a point where he's walking through a crowd of guys all the way across them. It's just this long pan shot. And mm-hmm. you were talking about the peacock feathers. All these guys yeah. looking at him going, Woo, boy! And then, like, another guy will be, and pardon pardon the slur, but they'll just be like, faggot! You know, like, they'll, yeah. like it's stuff like that. Like, they're yelling these terrible things at him, and he's right. unfazed. Like, this dude just, like, walking to, he knows what's up, right? Yeah. And, uh-huh. like, another part of the story that's important, the reason I said that, is because uh-huh. Phil mm-hmm. is clearly either gay or bisexual. Right. Um, and again, this is never spoken in the film. You just pick this up through a series of, of scenes that yeah. somebody could easily not pick up, but it's like very, like, I don't want to get to that depth. People can just watch it, but sure. you have to understand whenever Phil and Pete be like, whenever Phil brings Pete into the, uh, kind of embraces him, not literally, but just like, you know, kind of brings him in and he's like, I'm going to teach you how to be a man. And he always yeah. talks about Bronco Henry constantly and you pick up not only and again this is this is my interpretation of it so i'm not like spoiling anything this is just my interpretation of this information trust me Mm -hmm. watch the fucking movie and you'll see how you feel about it i also think some of this is good for people to hear Mm -hmm. going into it because they might have a better like frame of mind to watch it sure but like he takes him uh, i'm using pronouns Phil takes Pete under his wing the same way Bronco Henry took a young gay Phil who wasn't a hyper-masculine. He overcompensates, you know what I mean, to be this fucking asshole now. But you Mm -hmm. see a different Phil. Whenever whenever you put together that he has struggled with his gender identity, basically, it made me not hate Cumberbatch in the movie anymore because it was so understandable at that point. And that's mm-hmm. like a key to all the characters. I feel like there's something in each of them, especially those two, Pete and Phil, but there's something in each of them that made me care about them beyond their actions, right? Because mm-hmm. I could then understand their actions. Phil is just overcompensating for the fact that he was taught mm-hmm. if you want to get along in this world, you can never let that show and you have mm-hmm. to be hyper you have to be the alpha male. Because yes. if you're not, you will be treated like shit and you will get killed. You'll get beat up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what does he do? He's that asshole. But then mm-hmm. as soon as he sees that bit of himself in Pete, he yeah. tries to teach him the same thing. I yeah. fucking love this, Joe. I gave yeah. this a four and a half out of five. I'm just going to give that uh-huh. out now. And it's so hard for me not to just go five stars. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't give those out freely. So that's like, that will be a retrospect thing if if I ever do. But I love it that much. You know what I mean? Like I would have to see it again before I made any kind of um, claims like that. But my point is, 
the level of storytelling here, the fact that you and I, or rather I in monologue just now, uh, rambled on about these characters like that, none of this is said. Yeah. None of this is spoken, Joe. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that type of storytelling. Sorry. Yeah. I feel like I kind of stole the show from you. No, not but at I all. Wanted to, like, at all. I wanted to us to have a bit more freedom with talking, so I just yeah spilled the uh, yeah, beans on that. Because, yeah, because yeah, because it, it's uh, given yeah given what happens in the movie, yeah, it's it's easy to be like yeah, I don't want to give any of that you know any of this important things away. But yeah, you're right that it's that all of this stuff is this is all subtext, you know, you know basically, you know the because it's funny as as you watch, you know, the first I don't know forty five minutes or so is very much George and Phil and, you know, and, and Rose and Peter are, are secondary characters. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and of course, so George and Rose get married and, um, you know, and that, and, and Phil, you know, they all live on the ranch and Phil kind of has his own room and doesn't, he kind of runs things. And George is more, you know, as we said, you know, George is, is the less, the less he's the softer of the two, if you want to call he's it. He's just that. more of like he's the guy with the he's wearing like a vest over a nice shirt. He's like yeah. he's like the guy that'd be like the guy who owns the bank or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. he's the guy who owns like these businesses and he's like he looks like he's wealthier than he is and fills yeah. the dude that literally will not take a bath to go to dinner. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Like yeah. it's very much that like they're opposites and that is yes. established very early on. Yeah. 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 But, but, you know, but it's also one of those things that is as opposite as they, are, as they are, Phil in an odd way, Phil accept, I don't know what to say. He accepts, he accepts George in a much more complete way than, than vice versa. Then, you know, George clearly, has issues with, with Phil. And of course with, with, you know, rightfully so he's a complete cock the whole movie. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and he, you know, and it, it's just this kind of thing where, you know, George, you know, considers his brother as like this thing he has to deal with in a lot of ways. Like he loves him of course, but in a lot of ways, he's just like this thing he has to deal with and he has his own goals in life that he wants to go through and, you know, he wants, you know, he wants to get married and he wants to, you know, start to settle down and all that stuff. And, and Phil just think Phil just thinks that, you know, their life, you know, wrangling cattle back and forth and, you know, doing rancher shit basically is, is the way to do it. And he loves it. And George is like, you know, Hey, I got this hot little widow who's, you know, was serving his food and she's super cute and I'm going to ask her out. And, you know, and then they start dating and Phil's like, uh, this girl coming in and taking my brother away from me. She's taking it all from me. But there's like She's a ruin your life. There's a level of yeah. jealousy though, because Phil knows he can never have that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's absolutely part of it. Again, yeah, never spoken. That yeah. That is yeah. never yeah. spoken, but it's just, again, you, you can piece these together as you watch. Like he's yeah. jealous because he could never have that. Right. It's yeah. Fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, this is this is the great thing, you know. And you know, and you spend a lot of time, you know, before the last movie talking about, um, the, you know, the difference between film and like a live performance, and and getting into those, those, you know, those details and those idiosyncrasies, idiosyncrasies, and and all of the different types, you know, of acting, and it's so subtle here, but it's still right at the like it's not hard to to pick up on that. 
but it's spectacular that they were able to to do it in that way without because it's it's very much a convention of film to be like oh yes here's those gays and people don't like them but we need to but we need to accept them you know and it's like and it, that's very overt you know it's like the sense of right and wrong is very overt you know with you know when, when in movies of this type a lot of oh well, I, I guess i shouldn't say movies of this type but but films where you know they're dealing with homosexuality when they're dealing with with a quote-unquote controversial kind of topic you know um and this movie manages to talk about all of that stuff without talking about any of it and it's yeah and that's that's and i think and obviously that's what you're getting at when you're talking about how much you love it is is the way they do that and i love that too i think it's amazing um, and, and it's something that I don't know that I've ever, well, I mean, there, I mean, there are plenty of movies with subtext, um, but it's, but it's generally like the master so and, and movies like that, yeah. that there's a lot yeah. going on that you're not seeing, uh, in right. front of you. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and the thing is, I think out of all of them that I mentioned, this movie is the easiest, maybe not dude, but in my mind, I think this is like easier to pull out than the others. Yeah. And and I feel like this is the type of movie that can make someone watch this, which I find very entertaining, but also it works almost like an art film. It's like, yeah. if we're going to call it an art film, again, I hesitate in saying that, but if we were, like, someone could watch this and feel really fucking smart for getting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think part of what makes the story works so well and everything is actually something completely outside of the narrative. Uh, that's the score. Uh, it's yep. by the same guy that actually did the last four Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Uh, there will be blood, the master inherent vice and the phantom thread. It's Johnny Greenwood. Who's the guitarist of one of my all time favorite bands, Radiohead. And, mm -hmm. uh, he has an incredibly unique style that he brings to yes. movies. And I feel like this entire film, even whenever it's just people like, eating or like walking around or like, you know, castrating bulls, or like whatever they're doing, mm -hmm. this score is so tense the yes. whole time. I, and, and I didn't, again, I went into this knowing nothing other than it was mm -hmm. a Jane Campion film. Right. And so like, I thought this was going to be like, like the, um, what, what's the movie that uh, Cumberbatch did and won all the awards like five years ago or so? It was the same year The Theory of Everything came out. What was yeah, that movie was called? The Imitation Game? Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be the Imitation Game version of like a Campion uh -huh. Western, and I was very okay. wrong. Like, I just thought it was going to yeah. be like this kind of like blockbustery, not blockbuster, that's not fair, but like this kind of Oscar baity thing. Sure. I just couldn't get anything different, like more, I couldn't uh -huh. have been more wrong. Yeah. So, anyways, the Greenwood score is a huge thing, dude. This thing yeah. is wild. Uh, mm -hmm. It just, again, the most basic shit. Mm -hmm. uh, just someone driving down a road, or like, you know, uh, like uh, Phil and Pete, you know, riding horses away from Rose. And it's like, again, mm -hmm. there's a lot of subtext, but like the whole time, dude, there's wacky shit going on in this score. It's so incredible, and. Uh, I had no idea Johnny Greenwood did the score when I started this. Yeah. And I'm listening to it. And I'm like, one, this movie reminds me of the pacing and everything of There Will Be Blood already. 
Mm-hmm. But then, like, on top of that, this soundtrack sounds like a Johnny Greenwood soundtrack. And as I'm watching it, eventually, I, uh, there was these, like, key musical moments. And I had to just pull up IMDb and check. And lo and behold, Johnny Greenwood did this as well. If you are a fan mm-hmm. of There Will Be Blood, this is different, okay? And I think it's even almost more subtextual. But, like, uh-huh. like watch this movie, okay? <laughs> but... Yeah. um. Johnny Greenwood's score is incredible. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a few things out here for you, and then you can mm-hmm. you can jump in. Another thing that's stunning is Ari Wegner's cinematography. Who also this would be particularly interesting to you and Evan because uh, we talked about it with Evan Dossi. Uh, Ari Wegner, the cinematographer, also did the movie In Fabric. The yes. cinematography for that movie, it's uh, very nice, which is like uh, completely unexpected uh, for me. But in this film. Uh, Ari did an exceptional job. Of course, the locations and backdrops help with that. Um, Obviously. But there's just like never a dull moment with this camera, I feel like. It's always exactly where it needs to be. Um, And it's just gorgeous. I mean, how many screenshots could you take of this and just like make money on posters, dude? Like, this is, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And then uh, the last thing I'm going to say right now and I'll pass it off to you before I get to performances mm-hmm. is uh, New, New Zealand born director Jane Campion is probably still best known for a 1993 film um, the tour de force if you will uh, the piano that won like all the awards that year for everything Yeah, um, but Campion hasn't made a film in 12 years since 2009 uh, she did a mini series in 2013 called Top of the Lake which I still have yet to see but uh, it was on Netflix for a long time I don't know if it still is uh, and then, uh, but that was eight years ago, though she apparently did an add-on to Top of the Lake called Top of the Lake China Girl uh, in 2017, but still, it's been, it's been a while, uh, she's, <laughs> like, she's, uh, it's been a while since she did some stuff here, and man, her coming back to the big screen with this, just like, what a force to be reckoned with here. I, I, I think this film is timeless, and we, mm-hmm. honestly, like, we don't get it's very rare that we get timeless movies these days because quite frankly, no matter how much I like some of the MCU movies, those are going to age eventually. And they're very, very much going to be a part of the two thousands and the 2010s and the 2020s feel. And uh, you know, uh, that's just, especially whenever studios have such a heavy hand, they're going to be going for what's in now and the special effects are going to age. This is a fucking timeless movie. You'll be able to watch this in 50 years and Mm -hmm. it will still work and um so all of that dude with the score the way it looks the locations the direction give me some of your thoughts you seem to have liked this movie a lot what were some of the things outside of those narrative bits that kind of connected with you yeah yeah the um yeah you you know the score you're right it's terrific and um and and it has some of those echoes of there will be blood um again like you said it is different but uh there there was a moment where the, the music kind of kicked in in a moment and I was like, man, have I even heard any music up to this point? But yeah. Yeah. It was this moment. It was like, I, it was maybe an hour in and you know, and it hits and I was just like, I don't remember hearing music at all to the rest of this, you know, but then, but then after that, I was very aware of it. And there were several of those moments. Those, yeah. The, you know, the, the moment that, you know, for the there will be blood that always sticks with me is that that shot where there's just you just see like the mountain, and it just stays on the mountain, and then this it's just a sound 
that just rises and it just gets louder and louder and louder. And it almost sounds like locusts, you know, and, and it's kind of, it kind of has that same sort of feel at times in this movie. Um, yeah. The, yeah. And it is a gorgeous movie visually too. Um, there, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's not there. There's obviously the, the, you know, the landscapes are gorgeous. There's, there's a great use of shadow and one that kind of provides a, a fun, like, thematic moment um that affects a lot of including the title of the movie um you know there's there's a lot of that it affects uh, you know it, it's kind of a it's kind of a scene that feels like a throwaway scene that is absolutely not um you know and that's between phil and peter um uh, about the, the dog you know um yeah and, and it's kind of a key scene to be honest um and it's and it's very cool and um it, it kind of gives us using the shadows you kind of see something that you I'm almost certain no one will see as they're watching they're gonna go oh this looks like that and you know but then it happens and you're like oh there it is and it's just it's you know but it's it's, it's kind of a key moment in the movie that again I have to be vague about um for spoiling purposes <laughs> so yeah. um yeah so there there's that the the acting too a lot of you know obviously Cumberbatch's character is big and you know so he's he's a large character and so he has most of the showing moments but you know, Kirsten Dunst and, and Jesse Plemons, the two of them especially have a lot of like nice, quiet moments. Uh, God damn, dude, when they're in the desert and she's about to do a picnic and she goes, come dance with me. And, 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 uh, uh, what's his name? George, George, uh, walks over to Rose and they dance for a second and he pulls away almost aggressively and walks away with his back to her. And she's like, are you okay? Did I do something? And he's like, single tear down his face and this isn't cheesy understand that like it does not come off like cheesy but he's like so touched Mm -hmm. by by this moment yeah he can't even be a part of it like he he literally divorces himself from that situation and disengages because he like is not used to this because he's used to running around with a bunch of cowboys and now he has this like really meaningful moment you're yeah. spot on. You're, you're yeah. You're, you're jumping yeah. my gun here. I want you to keep going. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I yeah. I love all that. Like you know, we we mentioned Cody McPhee already, and he man he his that character is very layered. It, there are a lot of there's you know there's a a moment there's moments. I'll say this. There's a moment with a rabbit. That <laughs> a couple of moments with the rabbits. Honestly. Yeah. There's one where. I thought this movie was going to go in a very different direction Me than it did. Too. Yeah. And you know, this, this certain thing happens and I'm like, Oh, that's kind of crazy. And I mean, and, and honestly, it kind of, in the end, it kind of makes a little more sense. Um, Subtext, but, man. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but again, it's very, very soft, you know, it's done in, in such a, such a subtle way. It's just, it's brilliant. I'll just call it brilliant. Because that's what it is. Because um, you know, there, there's another kind of echo moment with a rabbit later on uh, that kind of calls back to that, where you're just like, "Oh, what's going to happen now?" And, um, and and it's kind of a different. It's sort of a different outcome. Uh, but it's yeah. There's there's just so many little moments like that that kind of just add up. That in, if you were just wa- when you're watching it, it's it's one of those where you know there's there's times in movies where you watch it and something happens and you're like, that's an important thing. 
Like this is something that I need to come back to later on. Yeah. But this movie almost feels like the opposite where there's a lot of things happening where you're just like, this doesn't really feel that important. It feels like just, a, just a moment in the movie. And then later on, you're like, Oh, that was really important. Yep. Uh, and this is kind of a movie. It'd be fun maybe to watch again later and, and see if you, if there are other things that I didn't even pick up on that, you know, that now, now I'll see them. Uh, I'm sure I'm almost certain there are going to be some, some lines here and there that I'm going to be like, that's an innuendo towards yep. something else. So uh, I almost want to watch it again um, to see if I'm going to pick up on some of those things. So there's, yeah, there's just, there's, there's so much. It's, it's just, there's a lot of richness to this movie for it. as simple as the story is. There's a lot of little things going on. There are, you know, there are things with parents that come in um there's they have a, a dinner like you said the the dinner party what the dinner was with like the governor the governor yeah yeah, yeah. he's the only guy yeah. with the car i think yeah everyone else yeah. is too poor to have a car they just ride their horses but yeah. yeah he comes in this big car yeah 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 and, and george is basically like hey you know would you mind taking a bath and coming to dinner with us and you know and feels like no <laughs> you know he's just like i'm, I'm gonna stay out here in the barn since you're obviously ashamed of my smell and he's just being a, he's being a dick obviously, yeah. but, um, but there's just a lot of just cool moments like that through the whole movie that you, you just, you, it's easy. It would be easy to lose the significance of it until you get to the very end. And then you see kind of how it all, it, it's, it's like a thing where it's like a thing when you're putting a puzzle together and you're in that moment where you're just like, I have a couple of little pieces together but the picture that I'm making is, it seems like it's way far away. Then suddenly two little pieces fall in and then you just throw the rest of the puzzle together and you're done with it. And you're like, okay, now I know how that happened. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, that's this movie where you're just watching it and you're like, where is this going? Where is this going? Where? Oh, okay. And, and it's, um, and it all just kind of rushes together and it's, and it's like, that's a pretty beautiful picture now. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, so it, it, yeah, so it, it takes a little patience maybe. Um, I wouldn't call it, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's a leisurely kind of movie. I wouldn't say it's overly slow. I think there's enough happening. Uh, Dude, and that score, how could you ever get bored with that cinematography yeah, and exactly that score? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Um, and I know it's yeah, spare. So, it's sparse at times, Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. it's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it's not, it's not a movie where there's like, you know, as they say, an action scene every eight minutes or whatever, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's a, it's a drama for sure. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of talking and, it, you know, there's not a lot of like exciting tense things happening in front of your face that are, you know, but like you said, that, that score certainly gives you that little bit of dread through the whole thing. And, you know, this kind of uncertainty, but it's, it, it's, it's very nice. It's very, very well done. Yeah. I, you know, Man, I just feel like I could just keep going. But um, Benedict Cumberbatch, I'll just say a few things about the performances real quick that I want yeah. to say. Like, yeah, Benedict is one of those actors that I watch, much like a Leo and a Brad Pitt, where every time I see him, I see Benedict Cumberbatch acting as said character. Whether it's Sherlock, whether it's Doctor Strange, whether it's whatever the imitation game, like whatever the thing is, even the movie that came out earlier this year, I can't even remember what it was called. I'm trying to find it like super fast. Um, let me see if I can find it before I 
Uh, oh, uh, the Courier. Okay. Uh, would, uh, that that one, same thing. It's it's Benedict Cumberbatch playing another guy. Right. Uh, and and they're good performances. Again, I, it's not that I don't like him as Doctor Strange. I just I just can't. He doesn't become Doctor Strange to me. He's just Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange. And it's good, but this is probably the closest I've ever felt him disappear into a character. Where, like, yeah. even if you look at the letterboxed cover of this fucking movie, he mm-hmm. looks like different. I like. I, I don't know. I don't know how to talk about it. Like, it, there's something about like this looks like film stock too. Like, mm-hmm. all, it like does not feel digital. It feels like. Dude, I don't even know how to talk about how this movie looks. It's like fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. It just made me, it's that timeless thing. Like it just it doesn't look too sharp. And that's not to say it looks fuzzy or anything, but I'm just saying like it's just it looks like a classic. And and yes. he, but he but my point is he fits so well into that that uh, even almost more so than like Jesse Plemons and uh, Kristen Dunst actually looks really like she fits really well, but uh, you know, yeah. like uh, uh, Cody Smith McPhee or any, any of these other actors, it's like mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch actually works possibly the most for me, and that yeah. I, I have never uttered those words before. <laughs> uh, and it's not that I don't like him; he's fine, he's cool. Yeah, like I, uh-huh. I think he's cool. But this made me like him a lot more. J- Jesse Plemons is always good. I feel like every yeah, like everything between Phil and George is subtext. It's all subtle. And I just mm-hmm. love their interactions. I, I feel like George is a character that could easily be overlooked. But like, I just, I, I don't know, you know, where one might see a loose brotherhood between mm. them, because obviously they're like starting to kind of uh, fall apart. Uh, yeah. I see two people that know each other all too well. And also mm-hmm. who know that they are growing apart and refuse to acknowledge it. Yes. So everything with George has a purpose, even if he seems like kind of a uh, like this like little boring character that's kind of like tying things together. Like he's yeah. super important. Kirsten Dunst, like you said, is super good at what she does, but she is clearly not. I'd say out of all four of those main characters, she's the least yeah. not important. They're all important, but yes. the least show like they don't give her as much time, not in a bad way. Again, she's exactly sure. what she needs to be. But yes. I guess it's not as like showy, or you wouldn't think of her as much as the others, maybe. Right. Um, but dude, Cody Smith McPhee is so good. And when it started, I didn't think he was. And yeah. then, like as it yeah, goes, yeah. I'm like, like you said, the onion, right? Like the layers. I'm like, oh fuck, like this is super good. Yeah. I'm like getting so hyped on this right now, Joe. <laughs> I feel like watching it right now if I didn't have like 80 other movies to watch. Yeah. Um, really. But dude. I don't even have anything else to say about this. I, I, I'll, I'll, in, I'll end my part on this. I'll pass it off to you, and then we can close out on this. Mm-hmm. I have never, I have never seen Campion's The Piano. It's one that's always been on my list. It's one I'm probably just gonna like impulse buy at a Barnes and Noble Criterion sale and just like yeah. watch because uh, I know I'm gonna like it. I feel like I just know I'm going to. So, sure. uh, it's just something I've never had a reason to make a priority. Until mm-hmm. I saw this, and now I'm dying to see it, but I have to watch other 2021 shit right now. But like, uh, if Campion's, if all of Campion's work is this good or better, mm-hmm. or even if this is a good representation of how Campion makes films, mm-hmm. I may have just found one of my favorite filmmakers. Wow, 
Very nice. Like yeah. uh, living, at least. I mean, when you get Hitchcock and Kubrick and sure. people, uh, it gets pretty cloudy. But my point is, in terms of people making movies right now, I yeah. like, I love this so much. <laughs> nice. And you'd think this is like a five star movie to me, and I still don't think it's perfect. You know, the thing yeah. that makes something like There Will Be Blood so perfect to me is it has everything the power of the dog has, yes. and it has arguably even better performances. You have mm-hmm. that incredible rivalry between uh, Eli and yeah. uh, Daniel Plainview and yes. the relationship between Daniel and his son, which is mm-hmm. so rich. And then you have the banger of all banger endings, dude, with him <laughs> in the fucking like bowling alley that's in his basement with Eli. Yes. And the I drink your milkshake. You know, like that whole thing yeah. is extraordinary. And that's a fucking, I think that's just the movie of the decade. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the greatest film ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this one is not that good, okay? Right. But it's like, I want to give this a straight perfect score because Mm -hmm. no one makes fucking movies like this anymore. And it's just like, this is what I wish all cinema was. I don't want every movie to be this exact thing. But I mean, just like the level of skill Mm -hmm. that Campion exhibits in in this specific film mm-hmm. blows my mind and i just want every movie to be like this this good you know what i mean <laughs> but yes. but when i think about it it's like my experience watching it it wasn't like the perfect 5 out of 5 i don't think maybe on second viewing i'll change my mind yeah. but it was just so great that i i expect this easily to be in my top 10 I don't yeah. think right now it's number one, but as you said, we have so many more movies to watch, and we haven't even yeah. watched so many that we're anticipating. Um, right. There's a good chance it's going to be bumped way down, and God, I hope it gets kicked out because that means there are ten better movies than this. Yeah, uh, yeah. But so far, this is my favorite thing I've watched, Ben. This yeah. is so good. good. Uh, any yeah, last thoughts good. on the power of the dog? Yeah, I mean, you said you pretty much said it all. Um, yeah, this this is something that yeah, that this is maybe. Um, this is certainly one of the few movies that I'm going to absolutely recommend to everyone um, for this year, you know, thus far. Um, I haven't seen, you know, I can say I haven't seen much better than this, if anything. Um, like you said, I still have seen, I still have a lot to see. I haven't seen, I, I'm way behind this year. I'll just say that in general. But there's been nothing, you know, or, or very few movies to even really approach this film. Um, and, and the kind of the mastery that it, it displays, like you said, it's not quite, there will be blood. Um, it's similar in, in a few ways. So, um, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a must see though for this year. I think, I, th- I think it's one I can, I can pretty much confidently say this is a pretty, this is a must see if, if you're, if you're a, a, just a movie fan and, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, oh, I like to go see all the big blockbusters. If, if you love your movies as art and you love your movies, you know, with, with some subtlety and, and, and ma- that make you think a little bit, this is one you definitely need to see because it's, it's a, uh, it's certainly a good one. It is the absolute best. I'm just going to, this is, this is my, 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 what I'm going to say for the rest of the time until we do our top 10 that I'm just going to call this the best, even when it's not, I don't even care. I'm so like, I'm so excited to watch this again. Uh-huh. That I I I feel spite toward the movies that are making me not be able to watch this again. <laughs> That's how excited I am. 
Anyways, uh, if you hey, it's out now on Netflix. Uh, go check it out. I this is literally the strongest recommendation I could give any film this year. Um, mm-hmm. There is another one that I'm honestly they both teeter, but I have I have problems. I'm not going to bring it up. Though. I'm going to save it for the top ten because it okay. will be in my top ten. And I actually gave that a five star rating, but wow. it's it's tricky though. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to talk about it now. Maybe I'll tell you yeah. after after we're off the air here. But <laughs> um, but it, it, it it's a it's a tricky thing, which is why this one's still my number one, even though it's not. It doesn't matter. I put way too much stock into how I like think about movies. The point is, sure. if you have seen The Power of the Dog, you can now if you haven't. But if you have already seen it, please hit us up on. Uh, Social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's Medium Cool Pod. You can also email us at mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Hit us up. Let us know your thoughts, whether you agree or disagree. I always love hearing what you think. Joe, we're done. Thank you for coming back on. It's been a while. Yeah, we're done already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it took right. us like three hours to do an hour and a half of uh, of content because I've had so many technical difficulties, like speaking, it. apparently, uh, was a technical difficulty just in. Um, but anyways, uh, I feel hyper because we just talked about the power of the dog. I feel yeah. like excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go tackle some more movies and be discouraged, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I'll see you later. All right. Well, let me tell you this before we go. Okay. Because I want to address this. I haven't been on for a while. I'm just going to say this. I'm not your brother. You're a cheap steamer. Wow. What a weird guy Joe is. Um, Anyways, that's a quote from The Power of the Dog, I believe. So, you know, just so everybody knows. (laughs) Because after he said it, and I cut, I cut the recording. I'm like, the fuck was that, Joe? He's like, it's from the movie. I'm like, oh, my bad. Anyways, uh, that was our show today. I, I definitely hope you guys go check out uh, The Power of the Dog. Tick, tick, boom, less so, but maybe for Joe's sake. Give it a shot. Try to have fun with it. Just kind of let it wash over you. Look for the entertainment. Uh, again, I didn't find it intolerable. I didn't so- mind sitting through it. I just found it kind of boring. And it just wasn't good filmmaking, I would argue. Uh, so I, it's just like, what am I going to do with it? You know, and I'm not a fan of the music. So it's like, what's happening? Um, but Hey, Joe had a good time with it. Listen to Joe, go check it out. See what you think. My wife loved it. I mean, what are you going to do? So anyways, uh, but the power of the dog is a masterpiece. Uh, Again, it's not like a perfection five out of five thing, but it's just like, dude, really good filmmaking. And honestly, it shouldn't stand out because of that, because that should just be normal, but it's so awesome. Also, House of Gucci, that's a total skip for me, but whatever. It's I'm indifferent about it. It's fine. If you want to complete your Ridley Scott uh, filmography, by all means, watch it. Um, or if you get a chance to see it on uh, streaming service, watch it. It's fine. Um, nothing great. I wouldn't go to the theater for it again. Um, but anyways... All right, everybody. Uh, I'm going to try to have Joe on next week. We were talking about it, so hopefully he'll come back on. We'll do another couple of uh, 2021 movies. Maybe I'll do a few ahead of time, you know, before Joe and I talk on next episode. We'll see what we can get through. Um, but I'm glad that I got to do this this week instead of throwing up a, uh, a, a uh, replay episode. Um, I'll throw up part two of Greg Binnick next time I can't do an episode. 
Uh, but anyways, uh, all that said, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Again, as always, you can find us at Medium Cool Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or email us at uh, mediumcoolpod at gmail.com. Medium Cool Pod is the name, so go find us. Hey, I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, what else can I say? But good night, good luck, and take it easy.